Spanite.ie, in partnership with the National Youth Council of Ireland and the Youth 2030 programme, is raising awareness about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. The Sustainable Development Goals set out a plan to achieve a better and more sustainable future for everyone. The SDGs recognise that we live in an interconnected, interdependent and yet unequal world. In order to leave no one behind, it is important we achieve each goal and target by 2030. Each podcast in this series explores a different sustainable development goal from a young person's perspective. The podcasts have been researched, produced and recorded by a group of passionate young Spanat.ie volunteers from all across Ireland. The podcasters focus on specific goals that they're interested in and give insights into what we can do to achieve the goals. In this podcast, Caitlin Grant and Ross Boyd focus on goal number seven, affordable and clean energy. They talk about their experience at the 11th EU Citizens Energy Forum in Dublin and how we can support young people to have a better say in their energy future. Hi, my name is Caitlin. I'm 19. I'm from Dublin. So today I'm talking about the Sustainable Development Goals and what's led me to be so interested in this topic is my involvement with Spunet.ie. We have had many discussions at Spunet um, about these kind of topics and I've started to love getting involved in um, helping people get more informed about the sustainable development goals for our future and also becoming more active in Ireland itself. I do volunteering for not only Spun Out, but I'm also in the Extinction Rebellion. So I'm quite passionate about this topic and I love traveling around Europe uh, discussing this with other people around my age. I'm looking forward to talking about Goal 7 and our experience at the Energy Forum. Hello, my name is Ross. I am 20 years old. I am from Consilin, West Dublin. And I did this podcast mainly because I was actually approached by, by Caitlin, who actually realized we were both going to the Citizens Energy Forum and said, do you want to do a podcast? And I said, of course I do. To sort of talk about why I'm passionate about sort of the Energy Forum especially. I think it's especially important that young people have a voice in these discussions that sometimes be taken for granted that young people are not considered stakeholders in this just transition or any clean energy progress. And I think that's something that needs to be looked into more. And I think that's something that was especially noted that young people may not have engaged as much in the Citizen Niche Forum. So by having this podcast and having young people have their own discussions on this, that would create a more of an environment that it could become more of a commonplace topic. And it's particularly important to sort of have that conversation now to ensure that we do switch to renewable energies, but also maintain a just transition for all. Okay, so I would describe myself as someone who'd be very active um, in Dublin as a young person. I applied to go to this event just a few weeks before it because I think it's very important to learn a lot, as much as we can, so that we can go out and teach people about it and know how to use appropriate energy. I think that young people's impact is vital in a topic like this because it's very easy to stick to to our old energy ways and we need to ensure that we switch to better energies that are cheap and affordable and that no one is left behind. So I think we'll firstly we'll go straight to the event itself and mainly what did we learn about learn about it and sort of the general format of it. So the event itself was, as you said before, hosted in the Aviva Stadium. So walking into the event itself, there was several other young people. I think there's 15 of us in total, about 100 people attending the event, I'd say, just around that. 
And so we were all representing the National Youth Council of Ireland who advertise these kind of events to help young people get more involved and have their voices heard, which is really, really great. I'd advise young people to check them out because there's always loads of opportunities. And then everyone else um, attending the event were like uh, working in the area of energy, people from Electric Ireland, other businesses kind of yep, like that's that. Right, yep. And uh, yeah, so we just introduced ourselves. There was people from all over Europe there that we got that cultural experience and got to have that level of understanding for um, other countries, not only talking about Ireland's problems, but other people in Europe, because you can't leave other countries behind when everyone in the world is playing a part in this. So that was a great aspect to it. And um, yeah, so it was, it was over the course of two days. The first day we were introduced by Klaus Dieter. Uh, he's a commissioner working in the EU at the moment. And he held a panel discussion talking about the introduction of a European clean package. And we heard from a few other members, such as Buzek, uh, who's an MEP, um, got to hear their opinions on it. Yeah, and sort of that panel especially was more about the sort of new EU commission was going to be starting its work on the 1st of November, especially with Miss von der Leyen as the commission-elect president. So she's going to be announcing a Green New Deal uh, in January of 2020, supposedly, is what her plan is to do that. So what do you think of the Green New Deal? So I really enjoyed uh, listening to all the ideas talking about this New Deal. And I think a lot of people can agree with me saying that it's absolutely vital that we create an efficient one that will go alongside the Paris Agreement and save us from global warming. So the things that we talked about, well, they talked about and, and we got to discuss afterwards in this meeting was having a just energy fund so that no one was left behind. This included the talking about having a good transition. So although in a perfect world, we delete all fossil fuels and go straight to renewable sources, not all countries can participate in that. So to give about 5 billion euro, I think they talked about, for example, for projects in coal regions, this will help people, people who are employed in the fossil fuel industries become then employed in the renewable energy industry so that their skill set can continue to aid the EU in this mission and um, and so that we don't have low levels of employment, uh, which is vital for this fund. I think it's important to think of the economy and for this transition because it can't collapse or else we won't achieve anything. But at the same time, we do need to put emphasis on it to work together for it. And it will include having faster, efficient, affordable energy. So the introduction of solar panels and wind uh, will be considered for the future. Yeah, definitely. I think especially, I think you mentioned how low left behind. I think that's a recurring theme that's been mentioned, especially with energy poverty. And I think it sort of brings it back a perspective that we're sort of in a almost a privileged position that we don't face energy poverty as much. But when you sort of hear the statistics of how many people actually face energy poverty, and not just in, across Europe, but even in Ireland. Then I think that's especially an important point to sort of look back and consider and make sure that no one does get left behind. And I think that's a recurring theme, especially that was mentioned in that panel. Yeah, I agree. Like what I found most interesting about being invited to this was that 
everyone in the room except for the young people were able to stand up and give their ideas about what may benefit them or the people who might be able to afford these new ideas and I think in an ideal world we would all have heating pumps and giant batteries that would create electricity but we have to be realistic like there's a lot of people in Ireland at the moment who can't even afford electricity so when uh, they introduced ideas that were to be honest, in my opinion, we're more aimed on the middle and upper class. It occurred to me that in this forum, people were already being left behind for this plan. So after lunch, there was three breakout sessions and the young people were invited to the first one. I found this really interesting. We got to listen to another panel discussion. This breakout session was called Engaging Citizens in the, in the Energy Transition. And it focused on how citizens would get the benefits of the energy transition using the opportunities from the package. And like I said previously, there are some benefits, but they're only really going to come to the people who can afford them at the moment. And then after that, it was coming up towards the end. There was quite a few, I've put it like sort of disenfranchisement input into a word. I think especially for the first day, I think. Sort of looking at the young people from the Ashley Council of Ireland in the WhatsApp group, there's a lot of terms used as the words that they use were citizens, but we almost it almost felt like consumers. Would you agree with that? Yes, Ross, I, I would definitely agree with that point. Um, consumers are like, we're all consumers, but the consumers they were talking about are people who can really invest in this. And we do need people like that to move on, but we have to create some kind of system where people who have less of an income or um, have other like priorities aren't left behind. So for example, public transport could be something we could fix that everyone would benefit from. And then I think coming back to the second day, I think we felt it was a bit different as well. I think we felt there was a different vibe. Did you feel there was a better difference? Yeah, definitely. Like the first day, I remember we were sitting at the back, just listening to everyone. And uh, I do remember that most of us young people stood up to express our opinions and the, the majority of us weren't happy with what was going on. So on the second day when we were told to sit at the front and give our opinions more, there was definitely a change where they realised that we we wanted our voices heard. And I really appreciated that on the second day. Yeah, I think especially, if, I think the moment that I found about the second panel, on the, well, on the, the first panel on the second day even, I think it was firstly someone from the Friends of the Earth, Ireland, Dan Hatter, and then also the Green MEP for Dublin, Kieran Cuff. And I think just by having those two people on the panel made it more of a connection to us, to citizens, rather than just pure consumers, I think, in that way. And that's what I felt initially was instantly just a connection I felt. I think otherwise, we're actually going to talk about, coming back to my notes, why we're actually doing this podcast. And it relates all back to the encompassing values of the Sustainable Development Goals. So the SDGs, or commonly referred to as the Sustainable Development Goals, are the follow-on from the Millennium Development Goals. And these were launched in 2015 and adoption in 2016 with the aim of achieving the goals within 15 years by 2030. There are 17 goals in total with 169 targets set out to monitor progress independently. So if 17 isn't good enough number for you, 169 targets are more specific enough to find out what you need to achieve as a country. The major caveat with them is that they're not legally binding. However, all countries are the UN are expected to establish a framework to achieve these goals and are very much monitored by the UN to assure they do achieve them. Unlike the Millennium Development Goals, there's much more focus on Goal 13, particularly as that's the goal on combating climate change, particularly as it's more relevant as sort of a societal problem and issue that's come around. 
and then which also interlinks on the goal. So if a case of an example that you're going to be trying to create more interconnectedness it needs to be like, such as public transport, it needs to be also clean. So it's just electric or promoting bicycling or walking. So it sort of keeps that linking too as well. However, on 2019 reports from the UN, it said that it is looking sort of a bit like it's almost a repeat of the Millennium Dialogue, so we're not reaching all the targets. In 2016, there was more investment in fossil fuel than climate activities. I think coming back to you, Caitlin, what do you think of those stats? And it's sort of, is it almost even a surprise anymore? It's kind of atrocious. Do you think that we have a chance at achieving these goals at all? I don't think so. I think if you look at the recent sort of announcement by the, the Irish government on the EU Commission's sort of strategic interests of what projects they want to do, it was actually allowing fractal gas from the US to be imported into Ireland, despite the ban on fracking here. However, if you want to put in the SDGs to come back to that, there's actually a bit of an Irish context, which I think blew your mind when I told you about this, that we actually co-facilitated the creation of the State of Environmental Goals. That's actually something really interesting. That was between Ambassador Donoghue and Ambassador Kamu of Kenya. And it was led to the negotiations and the final text on the 2nd of August 2015, transforming our world, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, which eventually did lead to Sustainable Development Goals. So I think, Kayla, we'll go back to you on that and sort of talk about Goal 7 and how that works as well. Yeah, sure. So in my opinion, Goal 7 is one of the most important goals regarding climate change and our future. Of course, they're all really important. I mean, a lot to every single person, but Goal 7 relates to the energy we use and how to make it more appropriate for everyone else to participate in transitioning from fossil fuels to renewable. And I think this is going to be one of the biggest challenges we face because for one thing, it's hard to convince people to change from something they're so used to to then go to something that is going to save our future. So to explain uh, in detail about Goal 7, the title of it is called Affordable and Clean Energy. This is on an Irish scale, trying to get people connected to electricity and how we're going to power this electricity for the future. There are a few ideas about what renewable resources we can use to be able to make it more sustainable and healthier for the future. And these include solar, wind and thermal energy. These are better because they are powered by the sun or the wind, uh, which are already existing energies, instead of using things like fossil fuels, which are only going to release more CO2 and create bigger problems. So ideally, we'd crack on with these as soon as we can, but they are expensive. So we do need to consider other ones first, for example, electricity and gas, which is what was discussed about um, at the Energy Forum. So yeah, the the goal basically is to make it more efficient, um, have less fossil fuels, more renewable resources, and ensure that there's still employment. I think an important thing is to transfer people from the coal and peat industry going towards the renewable, especially because so many people are at risk of losing their jobs to transition to this. In the context of when you realise there are 41 coal communities who are going to be affected by the change to have to go from a sort of livelihood that they have for like hundreds of years in some cases, to have to go to this complete new energy where sort of lose with no jobs because all of it's automated by now. I think it's especially important that they have a job because I think to sort of reflect on what my sort of course is talking to me about in college, that we're in the fourth industrial revolution at the moment and that the fourth industrial revolution is meant to be the first industrial revolution that has meant to be a net loss of jobs. 
due to automation. So I think it's especially important that we sort of have the ability to find new jobs. I think Finland and Spain were mentioned as the panels for the second breakout session that was previously in the Citizens Energy Forum. So Finland had a case of the used data in order to make sure that the energy usage and efficiency was at its highest that it could be. So it had full smart meter rollout since late 2013 and are going to be operating a data hub in 2021, for example, and enables both traditional and traditional production of energy, which would be true like sort of way of wind farms or solar panels, and also the export of electricity, so microgeneration. As it actually is noted that the paperwork to produce your own electricity is more complicated than tax declarations or company mergers. It can't be difficult for people to produce their own electricity when that's the way we're supposed to head in the future. So especially for this transition, we need to create some kind of way that people can produce their electricity and make it easier for them. I think it needs to be emphasised that although in some ways companies need to also be kicked up the bus in order to make sure that they go clean energy, we can't wait for these ads sometimes unless we literally put significant pressure on them, that we have to produce our own electricity and we can make our own small steps to make one larger step in order to produce our own. So some of the ideas that I have here are a lot of related to the climate action plan and sort of the government's way. And this would be true a few technologies. So the main ones that were mentioned in the energy form were sort of like retrofitting, which would be a case of providing more insulation for housing and sort of ensuring that the efficiency of like windows, doors and etc. are sort of more energy efficient by keeping heat in. So it saves energy in individual homes by increasing insulation in colder climates. So that's something that's especially relevant in Ireland. You should look at the snow that if you use less energy, which the energy itself at the moment will still be come from fossil fuels predominantly, that if you're able to produce your own clean energy and store it as well, that you can have it in case of any sort of blackouts. And also major technology that is actually rather old in itself, but actually coming back to be new is a heat pump, which uses significantly less energy and cleaner than using natural gas to heat home. Well, it shows you how even sort of the old style of energy creation is now being used in a more environmentally friendly way. And then also the big thing of microgeneration, which is the production of your own energy. You can produce your own electricity by using solar panels and wind, stored in batteries, which are becoming more and more plentiful and becoming more and more cheaper. And then also export your electricity back to the grid. So you get a return on investment. So which in, order, in some countries could be up to 10 years that you still have a producing electricity source and you get money back for it. Which I think if the money was right for it, you'd be absolutely wanting to go for it. Which even with the initial cost, you'll definitely sort of go, I want this and make a positive impact for the environment. So as I mentioned, we talked about the co-facilitation of creation of the SDGs and particularly goal seven of clean and affordable energy. So in Ireland doing a national a voluntary national review in 2018 to manage our pota, progress even. So recently we launched the Climate Action Plan, which has sort of three main points regarding energy, which aims to build one million electric vehicle charging points, retrofit a half a million homes and install heat pumps in 600,000, and then also establish a just transition review group. However, some also will point out that it does put new sort of cleaner public transport, as it only sort of recently ended its buying of diesel public transport buses, example, despite ordering a massive amount right before the deadline by pure chance. It also also ensures everybody has a climate mandate, so this would be every government body has a climate mandate, and that all government decisions have to be carbon-proofed, so that means it can't have any sort of negative effect on the environment. There's also the Climate and Biodiversity Emergency Declaration that was done on the 9th of May this year. We were the second country in the world to declare that, and the first one for a biodiversity emergency, 
only behind the UK, I believe, was the very first country to declare it. However, some will point out that only six TDs were present and was passed without a vote, so it might be symbolic in that kind of way. Would you agree with us? It's sort of you, some of you bubbling, sort of like, they could be doing so much more. Yeah, like, I remember I was in, I went to, I went to Romania for a youth dialogue when this was happening. And the day after I complained to everyone there that the world wasn't doing enough for climate change and all the energy, Ireland released that we were having an emergency. And of course, after talking and talking about like the passion I had for needing to change, this got me really excited. And then soon I realized that it didn't actually mean that much. And as you said before, it's more like a symbol than anything else. So when I was coming back from Romania, I expected like plastic to be banned, like more plants to be put in place, fossil fuels to be banned. But um, I guess when they said emergency, it's not really an emergency, really, is it? I also saw recently a report by the IPCC. Ireland's government policies on the environment were very poor. Discussing um, what Ireland isn't actually doing. There are a few things so like, for example, so we had the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland deliver grants in 2017 for people to retrofit their houses. It's vital that we have this retrofit plan to make the houses we already have just upgraded slightly for the future. So another problem that we face in Ireland and I think in many other countries is that a lot of people are living in the cities and because a lot of people are living in the cities, it's easy to put all the facilities there for getting the resources they need to make this just transition. But we are forgetting that there's a lot of people in the countryside who are not only not learning about the problems and how to to make this transition, but they're not getting what they need to make it. So for example, when we talk about electric cars, where are people in the countryside going to be able to pull over and get the energy to continue driving? Like there are a few spots in Dublin uh, in the, and other cities, but there might not be some for some kilometers and this isn't really efficient. I, I don't think so. We need to make sure that we implement something in the plan that ensures that people in rural Ireland are able to make this transition from electric cars to solar panels. Something needs to be made for everyone so no one gets left behind. So going forward, after talking about um, energy and the environment, what three things would you suggest that Ireland should do or you should do in your, that would help that you'd like to see happen in the future? I'm going to split these into three of the government and then myself. So the three actions I was going to say for the government, apart from the words cop on, <laughs> is quite simply to ensure that there's a just transition that accommodates all people who may be affected by the just transition to ensure that public to public transport and cycling are prioritised as transport rather than purely just tourism, as was described in Budget 2020. And then quite simply to sort of create a societal change that allows people to produce their own electricity, be aware of reducing their overall electricity output and completely eradicating fossil fuels. I think that's four, but we're going to stick to three anyway. And then three actions for myself. I've an action I've done recently, I've started cycling a lot more rather than trying to use public transport, although public transport itself doesn't do much in terms of the environment, but cycling is definitely a photo of the way I've done it. 
I'd also would definitely like to safely reduce eating meat, and I've actually quite a, I've actually ate quite a few vegan stuff recently. And then the third thing I think is just be more informed, just promote biodiversity in my areas. So what reactions do you think you would do after learning from this? And sort of to ask a slightly different question, what do you think are the three things that the people who are at the energy forum should do? Uh, in an ideal world, I'd like some policies to be made so that we literally don't have a choice at this stage, but to the to only use renewable energies, quit fossil fuels and just help people transition to this because it's going to be too late eventually. And I just I just would prefer if we suffered in this transition for the next few years rather than destroying our planet, because at the end of the day, it is the human race's fault. Um, the things I'd like to see from people who are at the Energy Forum, they're all very educated and prof- they're all professionals in their own way and inspiring uh, and I respect all of them but what shocked me most when I was there was definitely when on the second day they were asking us questions and despite everyone knowing a lot of knowledge about the topics and knowing the risks we were taking not a lot of people put their hand up when someone would ask if we were making steps forward like For example, if we were using public transport ourselves, if we were walking to places ourselves, if any of us had heat pumps, if any of us were using electric cars, like 99% of us weren't even considering the change. So what I'd love from them and myself is that not only to go out and talk about these things and learn more, but to actually take that step and make an action so that we can inspire more people to do so because it has to start somewhere. This podcast was brought to you by spunout.ie, Ireland's youth information website, in partnership with the National Youth Council of Ireland and Youth 2030, the National Youth Development Education Programme. If you want to learn more about the Sustainable Development Goals, visit spunout.ie forward slash SDG or developmenteducation at youth.ie. To get involved and to have your voice heard on the issues that matter to you, visit spunout.ie forward slash volunteer spunout.ie by young people for young people.